Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And we are back, folks, another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider after a bit of a hiatus, but we are back. Big Ten play. Uh, got our, you know how they always throw now. They throw a Big Ten game in in December on the men and women's side. Uh, and so the Wolverines off to a 1-0 start in Big Ten play on the road, no less. And this is coming on the heels of them, man, letting one go that you felt like would have been so huge for them. Two really close games against two top 25 teams, and Michigan wasn't able to get either. And so is it going to be interesting to see how they responded to that and they responded to it the the way you want to see it? Joining me to talk about that and much, much more, the guy who patrolled the paint for the maize and blue back in the 80s. He was a a standout prospect and a standout player at Michigan before going on to be a first-round draft pick in the NBA for 10 years. And then after that, has been a standout broadcaster ever since. Also does great work with the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp. I think I've given his entire resume. I'd like to introduce him first, though, is my man, my guy, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm disappointed, Sam. How can you not bring up Michigan football? I've been I've been a, a huge Michigan fan. I've watched every game since I was 10 years old, and, and you're not going to put that in my resume and you're not going to give me a chance to talk about how incredibly excited I am about this team and this season. And, yeah, Michigan basketball is 1-0 in the Big Ten. But we're playing for a national championship, possibly. And I guess we can talk about that later because people want to talk about basketball. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, um, pretty excited about football. Not as excited about this basketball team, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think that that there's a lot of things that need to happen, a lot of growth. Um, but I, I will say this, that that the the Minnesota game was really the first time all year where I sat back and, and thought, okay, I like what they're doing. Um, they're, they're making improvements, but I just have so many questions about this team. Yeah. So let, let's just rewind the tape. We are going to go back over every game. At, at length, but I, I'm curious your observations. Going back to because you look at UVA and you look at at the the, the uh, North Carolina game over in London, and it's hard not to play the what if game, right? I mean, they had an opportunity to get both of those games. You you feel like with as close as they played both teams, one number three being Virginia, the other being number nineteen, that as well as they played both teams, that they should come away with one of them, one of them. They came away with neither. The thing that stuck out to me in the UVA game, Tim, they couldn't, like we've been saying all season, dribble penetration. They could not stop the basketball. Most of the time when you say that, you say, stop the ball, stop the ball, stop the ball. You're thinking about transition. They, can, they couldn't stop the ball in the half court. As I was talking to, and that's been the theme all season, talking to Phil about it. I asked him point Blake, Tim. I said, it, it, Phil, is that, you know, an assignment thing? Guys need to need to be better in in their defensive posture and paying attention to the scout? Or is it a personnel thing? 
And you know, Phil, he was candid. He said it's both, Tim. He said it's both. And so they they were in a position and are in a position where you got to figure out how to coach around some maybe physical limitations. And now that brings us to uh, the absence of Jalen Llewellyn, who went down in the next game. So I'm curious what you think. Let's just start on the defensive end of the floor. How you think they're going to fare now without Jalen Llewellyn, who that was going to be one of the things they had to figure out. How do you sort of mask the quickness limitations there with Jalen Llewellyn guarding the basketball? Do you think things are going to be better with Doug McDaniel there, or do you think they lose much more than they gain when you talk about the size perspective? I'm curious what you think of that question. All right, so you gave me 13 different things, things to talk about. <laughs> um, okay, I, I want to send out my best wishes to Jalen Llewellyn, first of all, because I feel horrible for him. Yep. Um, I, I just I, I can't even imagine your senior year not getting a chance to finish it out on the court. Um, with that being said, I I am um, I made a comment on one of our earlier podcasts, just watching film, that I thought Jalen Llewellyn would be a better player than Devontae Jones and Mike Smith. I think I was wrong. And 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 I and I do think it's un, unfair on, on one aspect because Jalen still was in transition and I you know I, I think it would have been important to give him a chance to develop. But I, I just think that the speed of the of the game in the Big Ten was going to be too much for him. Um, I, I thought that that when you've got Jet, who's not a great defender, and you've got some guys that are a little bit undersized, and Terrence Williams is not super fast at the four, and you've got new players and new roles, that the defense was atrocious in some of those early games. And they're really lucky that they beat Ohio and they beat Eastern Michigan because those could have easily been devastating losses. Um, I did see improvement in both Virginia and Kentucky, um, even though I feel like the best team won each of those games. Um, the, the defense has to improve. The defensive rebounding must improve. Michigan needs a lot more production out of the power forward position. Um, good teams have depth at the point guard. Michigan does not have that now. Um, but but I also think that that in today's basketball, it's called positionless for a reason. And you don't necessarily need the traditional point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. You know, everybody can can handle the ball a little bit. Everybody can play some pick and roll. So there is a path for Michigan to be a good team this year. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I um I was thinking about last year the NCAA tournament. Michigan made to the Sweet 16, and that made everybody forget the fact that they were seven and nine in the Big Ten, and they needed wins late to be able to make the tournament. Sam, it's it's really early for that, but I I, I look at Michigan and I think it's going to be a really difficult road for them to make the NCAA tournament this year. Is am I crazy for thinking that this early? No, you're not, because they, you know, they have a lot of dis- discovery. I mean, every year uh, is there's role definition to some extent, to some degree, right? But this is this is a year where there there's a lot of it, uh, and there, frankly, just some deficiencies. They got to figure out a way to mask. Uh, I, I feel for Jalen Llewellyn too. It's a tough break uh, for the young man. He was coming here to experience uh, winning at this level. 
Uh, you'd seen the last two guys come in and really experience a lot of success. But I, like you, think he would have had a much tougher time than uh, than Mike or Devontae. I, I just think with, you know, with Mike, you, you had more quickness. With Devontae, you had more strength. You know, he could he could wall guys off on the way. He could kind of stay on a guy's hip at least, whatever he lost in in quickness. He could kind of make up for it that way. And then same thing came with getting to the basket. But, man, it, it just – you could you could see and – and looking at that Virginia game, I know Virginia is going to, you know, with the guard play they get, they're going to be blown by a lot of teams, right? They're going to win the points in the paint battle against a lot of teams because they have guards that are like that. But, man, when I looked at the stat against Michigan, I'm like, wait, I mean, with, with Hunter in the post, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting for at least, if you don't win points in the paint, I'm expecting for Michigan to at least have it be close uh, their attempt, and they got outscored in the paint by twenty points in that game. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I, I, um, I remember a conversation I had with Jim Calhoun, the UConn coach, the Hall of Fame coach, and he told me that his philosophy is that if you want to be a really good team, you need three point guards in your program that that could all take over if you need them. So I said, why? And he said, well, first of all, you you might have an injury. You, you may have foul trouble. You want competitive practices. You want the tool to use to push a guy a little bit harder, you know, to give them minutes. And he said of those three point guards, one of them should be a four or five star that at the end of the game, you just give them the ball, a la Trey Burke, a la Derek Walton, and just go make plays and get me a win. And, and really for Michigan to have one point guard in the program, I know Frankie Collins put them in a bad position, and you've got a devastating injury, but you know this is the recipe for for a long season. And look, they were great yesterday, but let's be honest, Minnesota—they may be the worst team in the Big Ten. Nebraska, Northwestern—they're there too. Minnesota's already had a couple of key injuries, and Michigan did what they were supposed to do, and what a lot of people are going to do to Minnesota this year, and that's bury them. Yeah. So, I, but I think that there, there's some positive takeaways. Uh, yes. so, some, some things that in, encourage me from the last three games, even with the, with the two losses, you know, definitely you look at uh, the inability to stay in front of people in the UVA game. That was a recurring theme. You look at in the, in the game against Kentucky, uh, you talk about the need to, to really be, uh, be better on the defensive glass. Uh, you know, I, I considered it a win to hold Kentucky to 12 offensive boards. I think, you know, I, I think that's a day at the office for for Kentucky, right? I was more concerned in that game about they didn't guard the three-point line that well, right? So you keep coming back to this defense, 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 and just trying to figure out a way to find a patch over there. Meanwhile, offensively, one thing that start, started to show up in the last few games, Tim, is what Phil Martelli was talking about before the season. He said, we're going to be a better shooting team. And I know in, in some of our earlier uh, episodes, you were like, man, this, they just start shooting it well. And this guy shouldn't shoot. He should turn down shots. Don't, don't <laughs> let this guy shoot. Last three games, Tim, they've been 40, 50%. I think they're 50% two of the games. Uh, and then 40% against UVA, they started to shoot the basketball like Phil said they were going to shoot it heading into the season. I find that to be an encouraging sign, even if it's a, a small one. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that um I think it was 
Kobe's first shot last night against Minnesota. He was wide open, and it wasn't even close. And I made a note, Kobe can't shoot. You can't convince me otherwise. And then from that point on, he never missed. He was he was really fabulous. And, and so when I break down the Minnesota game, I, I want to give them credit because they played with a lot of heart. And there, there was some pressure to that game, too. Think about this. With North Carolina coming up before Christmas, there was a distinct possibility if you don't take care of Minnesota, you got five losses before the end of the year. And and that's just that that's not going to work in terms of NCAA dreams. Um, international travel is really hard after Kentucky. It's Doug's first game, expanded ball handling roles for Jet and Kobe, um, more opportunities to contribute for a lot of guys, you know, Will Cheddar in, in key times. Um, I, I thought it was, it was really um, fun to watch Yusef Kayat. I, I, um, I got a really good look at him and a pretty good feel for what he's about. They scored 90 with ease. They could have dropped a hundred if they kept their starters in a lot more. Um, they shot 56% from three. That's fabulous. And then I also thought that that the defense showed a lot of improvement, very active hands. Um, it was good defense versus Virginia, better defense versus Kentucky. And last night they they eliminated a lot of layups and bad fouls. They had Michigan had eleven steals. That's really good. And and so when I I think about positive steps. They need some practice time now because you, you can really start to solidify rotations and roles. And um, it, it's going to be – I'm not I'm not saying this is going to be a thrilling season, but I think it's going to be interesting and highly entertaining. Yeah, I again, I think it was, it was obviously Kobe's best game from an efficiency standpoint. Plus, minus was, was off the charts. I mean, he – that's the kind of thing that you want to see from Kobe. You want to see aggression from the rim, and you want to see a guy with his length and athleticism that is a consistent defender. It was one of the reasons, Tim, I, I wonder for a moment if they would experiment with him as maybe the uh, as maybe the point guard and continue to bring Doug off the, off the bench. Obviously, they just they decided against that uh, and made Dougie the the guy. But you know, it does beg the question. Man, how is that point guard scenario going to work out this season? I mean, how how do you think they're going to going to manage that past Doug, who's obviously your starter, and and Kobe Bufkin? Where do you go after those two? Yeah, well, you've got um you've got three guys that are all playmaker types, and and Jet Howard has improved his ball handling immensely, and and if you if you add Jet and Kobe to the equation, those three guys scored 44 points yesterday, and they were efficient, and they were aggressive, and they looked the part of being a Big Ten player. I don't expect that Doug's going to play like that. I, I I mean, I think that was his A game. I, I, I think that's his A game. I think that that you're not going to see him have 28 in a game with, with, with 12 assists. That That's not him. Last night, numbers-wise, he made his shots. He made the plays he's supposed to make. And and as long as he stays within himself, he he's always going to be pretty solid. Uh, Michigan is heavy into their pick and roll game, and and by the way, Hunter 
does such a fabulous job now in the screen setting role. He doesn't get those leave early type of offensive fouls. He, he never gets in foul trouble anymore. Um, and, and so in the screen game, Michigan can have a heavy dose of, of, of low post action for Hunter. Um, they, can, they can run Kobe Bufkin off screens. They can have some ISO plays for Jet. They can have pick and roll, and, and, and that works with Doug. So there, there's a lot of things they can do. And also, I just, I just think that Michigan's got to find a way to get more out of the power forward position because I saw Terrence Williams drop 22 on Nebraska last year. And when Hunter was out, I saw him, what do you have, 17 against Ohio State in a huge upset that really I think was the key victory that, that put Michigan in the NCAA tournament last year. He's got to produce more. And, and if he doesn't, it looks like there was some auditioning last night for, for some of those minutes. Will Cheddar, Youssef, you know, Joey Baker even can play some four at six, seven. So that's, that's something I worry about a little bit. Yeah, you know, you've seen some auditions here the, the last couple of games. You didn't see Isaiah Barnes as much in this contest, but he hit two big threes against uh, against North Carolina. So clearly, they still they're still trying to find the the bench mix. And I agree that with with T. Will, you know, I don't know. I I, I felt like with the greater opportunity uh, that there would be. There, there would just be a more relaxed version of him on the floor, and it just seems like he's pressing sometimes. I, right. I don't know if if it's the pressure that comes with now you are a core guy, you're expected to do that. It's not a surprise of when you do it. I don't know if that's what it's about, but you're right, Tim. Uh, they have to get more from that position, uh, especially, definitely on the offensive end, because I, I know one of the things that you talk to talk to the coaches about it. Uh, I think they were more concerned about defensively. Would there be some issues? Would he, you know, would he be able to guard quickness? Uh, could he, could he at least balance the equation enough because of what he was going to give them offensively? But if, man, if you aren't, if you aren't able to, you know, bust the grape offensively, uh, and you have some of the issues that they were concerned about on the defensive end of the floor, well, hey. That that's a reason to start looking at some some other options to see what other guys can bring you. And you gotta like what you saw from from Yusef in limited minutes last night. He came up, you know, shot the ball with with confidence. Uh you expect you expect Joey Baker to be a guy that's gonna be able to give you some some shooting there as well. So yeah, all the more reason to to start giving those guys greater looks. Yeah, when I look at Yusef, does he look six nine to you? You know, I wasn't the guy. I have to see him. I, I'll have to. I'll go down to floor level the next home game. <laughs> yeah, I am. I kind of wonder about that, and I don't know if he's strong enough to play power forward in the Big Ten. But rebounding is going to be a big deal, and and I know that Terrence has done a, a solid. He's had some really solid games on the glass. But think about this: the, this year's team is smaller and more perimeter oriented than last year's. There's no Musa. There's no Brandon Johns. Even Caleb at 6'8", just because of his size and athleticism, was able to help on the boards. Last five games, Terrence Williams averaging five points per game has not shot very well. And 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 I'm also concerned because that, that three-game stretch is against Minnesota, Kentucky, and Virginia. Those are three power, power opponents. So, 
you know, he, he's he's struggling with that role a little bit, and they need him because that's such an important position. Hunter Hunter can handle his own, but they're putting a lot on his shoulders, and you don't want him in late February dead tired because he's got to do everything on the offensive end to try to post up, and he's going against double and triple teams, and, and he's got to set up his teammates, and he's got to run the court hard and grab every single rebound and help because the young guys are getting blown by all the time. There's a lot on Hunter Dickinson's plate. And Sam, how great has he been? I mean, he looks like an all-American again. Yeah, man, I, I liked I liked his um, – I thought he got the better of the man. I know he didn't win the rebounding battle with, with Oscar Sweebay, but I, I just – I thought he played a really good floor game, uh, being able to take him away from the basket. I wish Michigan had put put Shribe in more, uh, you know, ball screen action, put him in more high pick and roll action, take him away from the basket a little bit more. I thought he had some issues at times uh, in that, uh, you know, when they did that. Uh, but but Hunter, I thought from his his effort in the paint, I think we've seen him. Not that shot blocking is his forte, but we've seen him. Uh, be a better shot blocker this year. Uh, he's a guy that even if you don't feed him early in games, he can he can come in when you need him in terms of offensive production because I I feel like he should be a priority every game from the beginning of the game, and that hasn't been the case in every game this year. And yet you look at the final box score and you wouldn't know it if you didn't watch the game because Hunter is still getting his. And to your other point, very, very responsible. Against Oscar Shribe, you think he he'd be in a lot of foul trouble? Nope. You think the game where they were it was I think it was the UVA game they're getting blown by left and right. I think he had five blocks in that game. They were living in the lane, Tim. That's a recipe for a guy for Hunter to have foul trouble. Didn't he is a much smarter basketball player this season? Yeah, and I know that when the NBA teams come in, they're not looking at him as as a potential player. They're looking at Jet. Okay, but if they watch closely, they, they'll see a lot of improvement. Hunter is really taking ownership of this team, and he's improved in all the subtleties that, that, that you look for. Um, he, he's a much better communicator. He's, he's the one that you can just see everybody looking to when you need a big bucket or a big play. Um, I, I give him the green light whenever he wants to shoot launch it because I even shooting threes I feel I feel confident that that's a good way for Michigan to generate points um his defense is such an upgrade pick and roll coverage was a massive problem in his first two years they seem really comfortable against Minnesota in drop coverage and and he did a really good job I thought Doug did a good job too Minnesota is not really good enough to to make you pay um for for a mistake in drop coverage, but um, I, I thought I thought that that was really good, and you give Hunter Dickinson a lot of that credit uh, against Kentucky and Virginia. He averaged twenty three and eight. Those are all American numbers, and I think there's a real good chance that that he is the you know the, the Big Ten Player of the Year. I know Trace Jackson Davis deserves a ton of credit. There are some other star players. Terrence Shannon's been good, but. Um, I, I just, I love what Hunter Dickinson's doing. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about, about Jet and Dougie before we go out. I want to revisit a conversation we had at the beginning of the year. Uh, and even going back to last summer, we were talking about Jet. I said, Tim, I think this might be a two-and-done guy. As we got into this, as we got into this season, I think you started to get on board with that, right? Now, now they're talking like, and one of our uh, analysts over on CBS actually has him moving up mock drafts this year as a first rounder. I haven't seen him in the lottery yet, but he's moving up the board, and they're talking about him as a one and done guy. Do you think that's a a premature thing? Where do you put? jet on the the talent scale relative to what's available in this uh, upcoming draft um i think i think that he is as good as any nba prospect in the big 10 off the top of my head who, who's who's the guy in the big 10 that you think is a better prospect than him right now i don't think there's a better prospect than i him don't right either now. um he's a beautiful shooter i i am overwhelmed and sam you and i sat in the gym at disney and we watched him play he was actually on doug mcdaniel's team uh, when he was at the top 100 camp but he has improved in all the areas that i had questions about i thought that at the top 100 camp that he was a little bit pudgy that he, he you know his body was not sculpted you can't say that now he's lean he looks like a thoroughbred um he looks to me like he's grown. I, I think he's getting bigger. And and to put that in perspective, the hardest thing for a young athlete, and I went through it myself, I could tell, my dad could tell when I was having a growth spurt because I wasn't fluid. I, I mean, I was like trying to play with a brand new body that's a little bit longer and spread out from what I was used to. I think he's growing right now and he's still able to do all of this. And you asked the question, could he be a one and done? No, no, I, I don't believe so. And compare him to Caleb. Caleb Houston left, and I think everybody knows he wasn't quite ready. He probably knows it too, but I think he was getting family pressure to, to get that money to help out, and I get that. That's that's great. He can help his family. Jet doesn't need to help his family. His family's going to be okay. Uh, he, he's he's going to... He's going to go 
the, the, the year that his dad says, it's time, son. And, and that's the kind of relationship they have. And there's not the financial burden. I, I, I don't see any way that Jet Howard leaves after one year. Yeah, watching him, I, I've been pretty consistent about this. My thing coming out of that top 100 campus, he needs to work on his left hand. I was really impressed mm-hmm. yeah. with how adept he was at getting to the rim at his size and creating. It was a surprise to me because I, I, he's a shooter. That's how he's a, he's a shooter. He's a scorer. He's not a driver. He showed the ability to run a team and to get to the rim to his right. You watch him now. He gets to the left without hesitation. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's putting moves on people. He crossed the guy over to the left. Drew behind his back to the right, gets to the rim. I mean, he – so I said, well, he's not going to he's not gonna shake guys off the bounce, right? Just talking about where he was versus where he is. He's shaking guys off the – he's not just going left. Now he's shaking guys off the bounce too. I mean, you talk about a guy that's improved, that spent some time in the lab, Tim. That's Jet Howard. He has yeah. definitely yeah. been – he, um, he had a crossover against Minnesota that I thought, wow. And it was so good that – it didn't make me think, okay, that's an NBA move. He's going to leave for the NBA. It made me think the opposite. Like he found a new toy and thought, I can use this over and over. I'm going to try this again next game. I wonder if North Carolina can stop this move. Like he's learning so much. And by by playing and getting this kind of coaching every day, I think that he's going to be excited about the fact that that he's got so much more upside not only just to be an NBA player, but to go to the league and have an impact, to, to be a guy that someday they're saying, yeah, I think, I think Jet has a chance to be an all-star this year. I think that, you know, he's going to get that, that max deal. I think he, he's, he's a superstar. Like, those are the kind of accolades that he's going to get if he continues learning. Because a lot of guys, they stop the learning process because they can get paid. He doesn't have to do that. No doubt. All right, so let's talk about Dougie. Let's lean into what do you think they gain with Doug at the at the one spot at the point guard position, and what are you most concerned about with Doug? You know, running the team. I know broadly you said, hey, they have a lack of depth, but I'm specifically with Doug at the at the one, the pluses and the minuses. So, so I was talking to a friend that said with Doug there, he's so fast that they'll play faster. I don't agree with that. You play fast based on your defense. When you get stops, you can you can play in transition easier. If if Michigan can't stop anybody, they're going to be slow as molasses because the other team is going to be set up on defense by getting buckets and free throws. So I don't think that he necessarily changes the speed that they'll play, but I see them being more fluid because in the half court, When he passes and cuts, when he plays pick and roll, there's always the threat that he can get by his guy and get downhill. I I think that defensively, they are going to be so much better with Doug on the court than Jalen Llewellyn. Um, He's a a defense-first guy. He plays pick and roll really well. He's going to get his hands on balls. Kobe Bufkin made a great defensive play yesterday against Minnesota, where he got a steal and it led to points at the other end. Um, I, I think that the Doug McDaniel's quickness is going to inspire his teammates. You're going to see more guys in the passing lane, more guys you know, trying to make plays on defense. And, and his recovery ability is going to be really good as well. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't see Michigan pressing a lot 
because of the fact that they have such limited depth with their guards. But I will say this, you've been around those guys, Sam, that they can just play all day. Like they just don't get tired. That's the way Doug is. I I don't see him getting fatigued. I think he's just, he's just one of those guys that can go. And, and so I, I am, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, he definitely gives you you more penetration. So my my concern is your his in between game, uh, because because he doesn't he, have one. <laughs> <laughs> he needs that. He he does. He does. You're you're right. But yeah, right. So he's going to need to to develop that. Right. So that that's one thing. But the other piece of his offensive game that he could do something about. He can't do anything about his height. Right. If he if he could, I would. Right. <laughs> but. Um, we were talking at the, at the top of Hunter camp about in between game and three point shooting. Now he was three for three. He's not going to be a hundred percent every night, but, but the confidence with which he shot the ball, if he can make opponents pay for going underneath screens, it's a game changer. It is it's a game changer for them on, on offense. Like he's going to have to do it more consistently for teams to respect it. Cause he, he still won't get the respect. From the from the upcoming opponents, they're gonna go under these screens. They're gonna play off him because he's so quick. Uh, they're gonna they they're gonna try to just close out. You probably can close out and bother his shot, and if not, block it. That's probably what they're gonna say, right? You make opponents pay enough, you'll start to get that respect. It's gonna make him a better driver, and it's gonna really it's gonna open up that pick and roll game so much more if teams have to respect him as a shooter. And so I was I was I was impressed with the confidence with which he shot the ball. He was calling for the basketball. He was acting like a player on the perimeter that wanted that shot. And you know how, you know how guys who are not shooters, you can see they really don't want the ball out there. We've seen it with guys that Michigan has had at that position. They really don't want the ball beyond the three point line. That wasn't Doug last night. No, it's one game. No, it's Minnesota, but I was encouraged by that. Tim, As a starter, Doug is three for three from three right? <laughs> and he has not hit the rim. All three of his shots went dead straight in. And that's a little bit different than I, I mean, I, I am, um, I mentioned to you when Kobe Bufkin misses, when Terrence William misses, like they missed by a lot and, and his ball was straight and there were three straight swishes and he shot it like he knew what he was doing. Well, let me, let me rewind the tape to a prior episode. You remember I told you Phil said, oh, man, he's he's shooting the lights out in practice. He said, we – and I'm not just giving you eyeball tests. He said, we track these things. We keep mm-hmm. – we have metrics that say Doug McDaniel is shooting the basketball extremely well. Wasn't necessarily translating the games. Now, maybe with more minutes, more opportunity, we'll see what, what Phil was talking about. We certainly saw it last night against Minnesota. Yeah. Sam, let me ask you a question because I um... – I, th- I think you do a great job with the recruiting piece. And so what does Michigan's point guard recruiting look like um, moving forward? Because yeah. you, you don't want to keep relying on the portal every year, but it takes time to develop point guards. And Doug looks like well, what we've seen so far, he looks like a keeper for sure. But what what do they do? Yeah, I I think they're in a portal situation again for this year. They, there was so much of a focus on Isaiah Collier who obviously uh, wound up choosing USC. Now, you you keep your your scouting, you know, hat on to look to see who might be some emerging guys here. That'll sign late. But 
in this cycle, I think they're looking in, in the portal again. I think that's what it's gonna what it's gonna boil down to. And then you're trying to you're trying to fortify your ranks uh, in the in the class beyond that. That's just an unfortunate scenario they found themselves that they find themselves in now that they missed on uh, their their top few targets. Were certainly, their top when they were Isaiah Collier, like a lot of teams, uh, that was the guy that they were really in on. They had a good shot at. They just wound up losing in the end. So do, in the portal again, uh, Tim. Do you think it. that that Jalen Llewellyn could be asked to come back to see, add depth, or do they not talk, see enough? We him? talked about that, Tim. And you remember my answer at the time was, it's a wait and see. And I'm, if it's, if it's me, and I, I say this with all due respect, if it's me and I got to decide where to go in the portal again next year, I'm trying for another guy. And just seeing, based on what I saw from what he brought to the table in the short run, I'd rather roll the dice and see what someone else can bring to the table. Maybe if you if you can't get Jalen Llewellyn, you can go get Frankie Collins because Frankie Frankie didn't want to play when Jalen was playing. So maybe, maybe that's see, you see, and this should be a lesson. To I mean, maybe he has no regrets about going to Arizona State, but you ran from competition that you probably would have won. Mm-hmm. Like you would have won that competition. I have no question in my mind you would have won that competition. Why run away from a challenge? Before you even know how big a challenge it is, yeah, just my two cents, Tim. No, it makes, sense. Two cents. makes sense. So, but great stuff as always, Tim McCormick. Hey, speaking of development, just a slight word. I mean, sometimes you never wish injury on a guy, but sometimes you discover things through injury. Maybe with Jalen Llewellyn out, you discover some things about Doug McDaniel, right? Maybe with Kate Cunningham out you discover some things about Killian Hayes. Tim, I have not been the, the biggest Killian Hayes guy. I, I still have PTSD about them passing on Tyrese Halliburton. But he looks like a different dude these last few games. Killian Hayes is starting to look like a lottery pick now. I um, I, I think it's a good story. And over his last 10, he's averaging 12 points, seven boards. He's got length to see over the defense. He's a pretty solid defender. And I think the biggest issue, like a lot of players, they, they just need to experience it and feel like they're loved. Since Cade's not out there, there's a lot of opportunity for Killian to, to make this his team. He, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be out there down the stretch. And, and it's unfortunate, but you know, if, if Cade would have never been hurt, Killian would have been on the bench all year. And, and so it's all about opportunity. Yeah, he's shooting with confidence. Is that the John Beeline effect? I think John Beeline's got a big impact on him. And they, they've spent a lot of time this summer. He's always working on his form. And let me tell you, he, he says to, to stick that landing, like a, like a gymnast coming off the balance beam. You get those feet down, you land on balance, your shot's going to go in. All right. Well, we'll keep watching. I'm impressed with what we've seen from the young fella. Hopefully he keep it up. Same thing with the fellas here at Michigan, especially young Doug McDaniel. Hopefully young fella can keep doing his thing. Until next time, folks, we appreciate you following us on the podcast. If you're listening on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, be sure to tell all your friends about it. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification 
every time we do a new episode. And we'll see you next week on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.